0: Good morning. Welcome to Life Point Westerville. I am super thankful that you all are here today. Um, you know, it's the beginning of a new year, right? Excited for what God's going to do in, in this new season um and I am super thankful that you've chosen LifePoint as your place to worship you know it's it's a big deal it means a lot to us and I'm praying that God does a work today in you that doesn't just last throughout the year but he lasts throughout it lasts throughout eternity and so uh, man it's, it's a great time I've got some some good news to share with you a couple of great things uh, that I think uh, are just kind of exciting. So, uh, you hear us talk about this if you're a regular tender, a member, each and every week, and we're so thankful for the way that you give. Um, Your giving makes it possible for us to obviously have church, but to do so many other things. And as you know, we are able to send people on short-term mission trips um, pretty regularly because of the way that you give and help those people make it affordable. And so today, we have two members of this body, Life Point Westerville, heading to Uganda. And so we've got a picture of them today. And uh, we've got Terry on the one end and Melissa right there on the left side, and uh, those are our people, and they're heading to Uganda to Children's Hope Chest, and they are going to be a part of the gospel work uh, in Uganda, where there's a lot of poverty and a lot of brokenness, and so thank you. For the way that you give. Now, if you are a guest, we do not expect that from you. This is just a blessing and an opportunity that our members and regular attenders have. So, um, no worries about that. And so, also, you know, um, I think this is really cool as well. Because, you know, I'm standing here now and this is our six year anniversary for LifePoint Westerville right? We started in 2018, the first Sunday in January, and so six years in LifePoint Westerville's life, but even cooler than that, in my opinion, is you know 2024 is 20 years for a LifePoint, and, uh, and God has done some amazing things in and through LifePoint, and I honestly think that all that he's done is just the tip of the iceberg of what he wants to do in the future. And so I'm, I'm really thankful that you all are, are going to be a part of that. So you've also joined us at a great time because we're in a new series. This series is called Broken Mirrors, and um, we're going to be diving into Hebrews. And in Hebrews, we're going to see men and women of faith. It's called the Hall of Faith. And so each week, we're going to pick a different person from the Hall of Faith and see how God worked in their lives. And the crazy thing about it, we call it broken mirrors because each one of these people and the way God used them, uh, there was a lot of brokenness in them and a lot of brokenness around them, but still God used it all. For His glory, we serve a sovereign God who's who's awesome. And so, this broken mirror series is going to be really, really great. And then also, you know, I keep adding on more and more great stuff. Right? Um, we're also going through our core values. So, if you're new, this is a perfect time to hear what LifePoint is all about. Last week, we talked about authentic community and being in a life group and the importance of doing life with other people in Christ. And then today, we're going to talk another core value called. Gospel identity. And that means that we are new. We who are in Christ are made new. And so gospel identity kind of permeates everything that I talk about today. And, you know, as I was preparing for this message, you're going to think this is a little funny, but I started to think about images. You know, we've all been made in the image of God, and that has a big part to do with our identity. And so I immediately started thinking of my one of my favorite things growing up is collecting baseball cards, right? So here's here's the thing about baseball cards that, that is crazy to me, Right? So I've got, I got an example of a card right here. This is Michael Jordan. And I think we got a picture up there. And so this was a sought-after card back when I was young, right? This is the, this is the announcement that Michael Jordan made to say, hey, I am stepping away from basketball, the greatest basketball player who ever lived. I'm stepping away from basketball, and I'm going to play baseball. So on the other side of the card, you see Michael Jordan playing baseball. And when this came out, it was, the, it was like the hot thing. It was so cool, and, and I had to get it. And obviously, I got one, right? It was, it was super, super cool. And, um, but here's the thing about it. Like this, is, this is just an image. It's, it's just ink, and it's paper. But it's actually worth quite a bit of money. You know, it's, it's, it's worth quite a bit of money, believe it or not. And so ink and paper, but somebody's image on it, somebody's identity put on a piece of paper, all of a sudden it's, it's worth a lot. I've got another picture um, that's, that's worth a lot to me. Um, this is a picture of my son, Tyler. And see, uh, he's a volleyball player, and this is just a little bit of ink and paper. You know, same, same. But you see... The image that I see on that paper is my son. And this means a lot to me. And actually, I'll tell you, like, I could care less if I lose this, even though it's worth a lot. But this means the world to me. And it's because my son's image is on there. I I love it. I really do. I'm thankful to have it. And so um, that speaks to what we're going to talk about today. Because like I said, our identity is is in Christ. It's not necessarily, I think our, our identity is made up of two equal parts, who we are and whose we are, right? Who we are and whose we are. And so I really want us to think about that today. And also, you know, an image, an image like this is only worth as much as someone's willing to pay for it. Right? Now, if I had this card and I said, hey, does anybody want to buy it? Anybody that knows these cards would be like, yeah, dude, I'll buy it. You know, but this one, you might be like, no, I'm not paying money for that, Mark. Um, that's yours. <laughs> right? oh. um, but, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the image. It's the image of God. And, and, and our, we are made in God's image. And so that is really cool as we dive in. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord we, you are mighty and wonderful and sovereign and good. I mean, you're, you're just, you're good. And you've created us and you've created all things. And we're so thankful to be here. And as we dive into your word today, I pray, Father, that you give us ears to hear what you'd have from your word today. And I pray that you'd give us hearts to receive what we need from your word today. I pray that you would make us different. I pray that you would make us more like your son. And Lord, uh, I pray if I say anything that's contrary to your word, that you would erase it uh, from our minds. But Lord, it says in your word that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And I pray, Father, that your word would be magnified. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, so as we dive in, um, I feel like you're going to need a little bit of context, because we're going to be in Genesis 4, and you can go ahead and turn there. Genesis 4, verse 1. And um, we're going to be hitting that in just a minute, but context is huge because, you know, Genesis 1, 2, and 3 lead up to this moment. And so what I think is really important for us to understand is that God, the creator of all things, you know, decides to create, and he creates all these amazing things, and he creates man in his own image, and it's the pinnacle of creation, Right, it says that like it's it's very good. He he loves this creation of man and woman and Eve, and so uh, everything starts out perfect. I mean, perfect. Everything, every part of the relationship when God had originally established it was perfect. God was perfect; He always is perfect. But He made man at this moment perfect, and so here's just a couple of things that I think are huge in this, in, in heaven, you know, in, in the garden when, when God created everything, um, it says that there was no hurt, no anxiety, no death, no pain, no disease, no lies, no stealing, no fear, no shame. This is, this is creation. This is how it was, right? And here's, this is even, this is even better in my opinion. Uh, because then there was this relationship between God and men for a little while, between Adam and Eve and God. And there was love. There was joy. There was peace. there's patience. There's kindness. There's goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. The one I missed was forgiveness. And there was no need for forgiveness because there was no sin. In the very beginning, it was God good. It was really, really good. <sighs> but then it just going, mess it up. Okay. Um, so um, one thing that I think is also important to know is that in that moment when, when God created everything, he gave Adam and Eve the ability to make a choice. Because love never forces, and we can't be robots, God gave Adam and Eve the ability to make a choice, and he put them in a garden, and he surrounded them with a thousand yeses and one no. He said, look, you can pick from any tree that you want in this garden. You can eat of it. You can do anything you want. It's all yours. I want you to, you know, flourish and thrive and do all that you created to do, but there's just this one tree, and you got to stay away from it, just one tree fruit on that tree, the fruit, if you eat it, you're going to die and everything's going to be broken. Okay. Right. They listen, but then, you know, the tempter comes and he tempts. And it kind of breaks my heart because, you know, there was this great relationship that happened. And then this liar, this deceiver, Satan comes in for just a moment and tempts Eve with just a thought, just tempts Eve with a thought. And all of a sudden, you know, that fruit looks really, really enticing. And she grabs a hold, and she bites it. The fruit looks really, really enticing. And so, at that point, everything's broken, right? That's, that was the start. All of a sudden, there's shame. All of a sudden, there's guilt. And it, it, all, it all starts to flood in. And it's just, and, and we experience that now, um, Compounded, you know, compounded billions and billions and billions of sinners, right? So, okay, that is the context. Now we're going to dive into man three and man four, Cain and Abel, right? That's it's huge. So here's what I want you to think about. This is the first point: an offering that shows what I can do, or an offering that says I need you. Okay. An offering that shows what I can do or an offering that says, I need you. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And Cain, his name actually means behold or have gotten, you know, has has received. And again, she bore his brother Abel. And it's interesting, Abel means breath, short breath. And when you consider the context, it's, it's really interesting. So, now Abel was the keeper of sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? So Cain knows right from wrong, right? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. In other translations, it says, its desire is to have you, but you must rule over it. And so, this, th- there's this situation, right? The two offerings are brought before the Lord, and this is something that I believe Cain and Abel would have seen their parents do, right? Adam and Eve, they probably established this, these offerings, and so this was something that they were familiar with, and it says Cain brought this offering to the Lord, but the Lord had no regard for it. Um, so what I want you to think about, like that, that, that offering, in other translations, it says that the Cain brought some of the crops that he gave. Some of the crops, some of the fruit of the ground, he brought this to the Lord. Just, just some, right? And, I, and honestly, I think Cain, when he brought this offering, I, I, I think he worked hard. I do. I think he worked hard and he you know, got this offering and he brought it to the Lord, and I think he was proud of his offering. I think he worked hard for it. I think he brought it to the Lord, and I think he was he was expecting the Lord to to like it. You know, this is going to be good. Um, but it wasn't, right? It, it says that there was no regard, and they didn't say like it, God didn't say like like I hate it or like Cain, like what are you doing, bro? Like this this is this is not cool, like you can do better than this. It wasn't like that. It just said he had no regard. But for Abel and his offering, he had regard. And they're significant to what it says because it says firstborn, or in some translations it says firstling. Abel's offering was the best of what he had. It was the best sheep. It was the the, the most precious sheep that he had, and it was multiple sheep, and and firstlings meant that they were the the breeder sheep, so these sheep that he's giving to the Lord are his best. Now, I want you to remember who these offerings are going to, right? These offerings are going to the creator of all things, to the all-powerful God who speaks and creates. And so I don't always think it's necessarily the what that you bring, but I think it's the how you bring it. And I think it's the why you bring it, right? And so, but Abel's offering is is the best. It's the best that he's got. And it actually means it's going to directly impact his future. Because he's bringing him the best, that means that it could affect his future, but he knows who he's giving it to. He knows he's given it to the God of all creation who's worth everything he has to give. And so the only thing worthy of that is his absolute best. And he gives it to the Lord. It says the Lord had regard for it. Like it was a big deal. These lambs meant a lot. I just want you to think about the God who received the lamb, the lambs in that moment. The God of all creation outside of time He sees a lamb. And I think you know what that means, right? It's it's a big deal. And so those are the differences between these two offerings. But Cain has this hard heart. Um, And the Lord warns him. He sees this hard heart. His face is downcast, right? He sees this hard heart and he says, Hey, Cain, I see what's going on. I know you. I created you. And there's something going on in your brain. And I'm just going to tell you, it wants to have you, but you have to rule over it. Just the thought. This thought is in there. You got to kill it, Cain. You got to stop it because it wants to have you. But see, there's some parallels here because all of a sudden there's this, there's this thing that he wants. This thing that he wants. And this has happened before. We'll talk about that in just a minute, right? But James 1 through 15. James 1, 15, not 1 through 15. James 1, verse 15 says, then the, when desire conceives, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. When desire conceives, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. And so this desire, it's conceiving, right? And it's an embryonic stage, you know? It's, it's there, what, what's, what's going to happen? He warns him, and it's, it's right there. It's enticing, because he, he wants he, he wants this. He's, he's frustrated. It he, he doesn't say that, like, he saw Abel's offering, and he was like, oh, man, Abel, I'm so thankful that you gave a good offering. You're my bro, man. Good job. I need to learn from you. No, it just says he was mad, and this is, we've seen this a million times in our lives. I mean, how many people have seen their kids, right? One gets something, or gets praise, even, that the other one doesn't, and the other one's not happy for the other brother or sister. It's like, why does she get the best, or why does he get the best, right? This is, this is where he is, but there, this, is, this is bad, though, because he's, he's angry, and, and so that's where we are. Uh, will he take that fruit of just sin, that enticement? So second point, the gravity of sin is strong, but to it We, in Christ, do not belong. The gravity of sin is strong, but to it, we do not belong. So Genesis 4, 8 through 13 says, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And now now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall not yield to you its strength anymore. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. No my punishment is greater than I can bear. He had the blood of his brother on his hands and this punishment is greater than he can bear. The God of all creation stands before him it's, it's significant, and there's some parallels here that I want to help us see, because there's, when we take this moment, there's a lot of parallels between Genesis 3 and that moment, because it's similar in that God says to Adam, hey, Adam, right after Adam and Eve sin, he says, hey, Adam, where are you? And he says to Abel, hey, well, Abel, what happened to your brother, right? He gives him a chance to be honest, and Abel, or actually, Adam is honest, at least he's honest. But he says, You know, I heard you walking in the garden, and I was naked, so I hid. And the Lord's like, shame, nakedness, did you eat from the tree? I told you not to. And then he's he's honest. He's like, Yes. But instead of he's honest. But then he blames somebody else, right? We've never seen that before, have we? No, he's honest. He's like, yes, but this woman you gave me, dude, like, you know, like she, you know, it's kind of her fault, you know? I, and, and then the woman says, this, this serpent, this liar comes out of nowhere. He gives me this choice. And I can imagine, the Lord, did you know him? Did you know I'm like you knew me? Was it just a thought? Did you have to go for it? And it was just an apple. It was just fruit. That's all. Did it really deserve what happened? It's, it's a hard thing to ponder. And so what we see is, you know, where Adam at least told the truth, Cain, He just straight up lies. Cain's like, hey, where's your brother? And he's like, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? I don't know. So, like, there's a progression in life. There's a progression in this sin. And the Lord poses the questions, but he knows the answer to his own questions. So he's given them this chance. He's given them a chance. And what he wants, he's a loving father. And what he wants is he wants them to come clean. He wants them to repent. He wants them to say, I'm sorry. And it just never happens. Now, how many times have we done that? You know, Adam and Eve accept their punishment. There's, in, the, in, the, in the book, we don't see any back and forth, you know. But Cain, he's like, it's too great. It's too much. It's too hard. You know, and I think, you know, we see this brokenness and there's so many things that I think we need to consider as we look at it. And so it was never really supposed to be this way. You know, Adam and Eve see the fruit of their sin in their son's brokenness. And here's the thing. I think, this is just Mark Shields speaking, okay? So take this for what it's worth. But I think, just because I'm a dad, I think that Adam and Eve, I think they wanted what was best for their sons. I think they hoped that maybe Cain and Abel could be part of the reconciliation plan. Maybe, I know we messed up, and I know that our relationship is broken now, but maybe our kids, maybe our kids will make it right. I know I messed up. But that's not what they then they see the brokenness of their kids. They're like, oh, it's gotten worse. It's gotten worse. How do you think that broke his heart? How do you think that broke their heart? How do you think it broke the Lord's heart? Next point. Our works, just like Cain's, our works lead to sin and separation. But Christ's work leads to repentance and restoration. Our work leads to sin and separation, but Christ's work leads to repentance and restoration. So Genesis 4, 14 through 16 says, behold, you have driven me today from the ground and from your face I shall be hidden and I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest anyone found him should attack him. And then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord, and he settled in the land of Nod. You see, the sin had broken the relationship with the Lord, and it had now broken the relationship with his parents. And the parents watched their their son go away that relationship is broken as well. So this sin, like we talked about, this desire conceives, give birth to sin. Sin's reality is here. And when it's full grown, now it's death. An apple to death, right? Things, things are getting worse. Things are getting worse. Sin separates us all, right? So what do we do? What do we do? What do we think? I know what you're thinking, and I also know what you've thought a thousand times because I've thought the same thing. Why doesn't God step in? Why doesn't God put an end to this? He's sovereign, he's the creator of all things. Why doesn't he just put an end to it? And it's because he loves them. <laughs> he loves them. A choice. He's never, love never forces. Love never forces. He, he gives them a choice. And then they, they experience the repercussions of their choice. And God knows if, if he does what we want to do, if, he, if, he, if we want him to put an end to it, do you know what that means? That means he has to put an end to you and to me because we're all broken. This sin that Cain experienced, this sin that we experienced, those thoughts that we have, those are in us. Those are a part of us. Those are born with us. We were born into sin. We were not born into perfection. And that sin bombards us from the outside all the time. And it, and it captures us. It deceives us. And the deceiver makes sure it deceives us. But there's good news. There's good news. The good news is, is that he did not put an end to the evil without removing each of us. He put the punishment for the sin and evil on his son. So that when he looks at us, Now, he doesn't see brokenness. He sees us spotless and without blemish because his son offered up his own life, fully God, fully man. His son was the spotless, firstling, fat portion. He was made a way of righteousness. He restored the broken mirror. The broken mirror was restored by Jesus. So here's the thing. This gospel... This news, this truth is the most exclusive truth in the world. The most exclusive truth in the world. One way. Jesus. No others. All the other lead to death. One way to life. Jesus. One way. Okay. But it's also the most inclusive. It's the most inclusive because it's for everyone. It doesn't matter your color. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your creed. It doesn't matter your influence. It doesn't matter your affluence. It makes no difference. You're all invited to the door, to the way, to Jesus. Each and every one of us, we're invited. But we got to say yes. And now everything's flipped. Do you realize it? Everything has flipped from the garden because in the garden, there was a thousand yeses and one no. Now, there's a thousand nos and only one yes. And I don't know if you know, I don't know if you realize it, but if you realize how broken you are, if you realize how desperate you are, you don't realize it until you're faced with the truth. And sometimes it takes something serious to make you face it, something like cancer, Right. all of a sudden the reality sits on you in that moment what my life is short what and all you hope for all you pray for is one cure you don't think about any other ways you don't think about multiple ways you don't care about your own ways all you care about is one cure one hope one way please and he doesn't care the enemy doesn't care what you think. Make them up a thousand different ways. Keep, keep making them up in your head. Make up different religions. Make up different identities. Make up anything. Make it up thousands and thousands. But don't go to the one. Because the one brings life. And he knows it and he hates it. He hates it. Part of what he did in Cain, it's in us. We need, we need help y'all. We need help. But the blood. This is the best part. I love this. this is so good, and I'm going to finish with this. Hebrews 12:14 says, um, "And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel." I got news for you guys. You and I, me, my thoughts just like yours, we are Cain. I know we probably haven't murdered anybody, but we've had those thoughts. We've wished those things. We are just as guilty. But Jesus is able. And he's able to do all that you imagine and more. He's able to help you repent He's able to bring darkness to light. He's the only way to life. And he wants you. But he won't force you. He won't force you. He just gives you the invitation. Do you want me? I don't think he asks like that because he's so good. But I want you to want him. He's so good really is. He's worth it all. He's worth it all and more. He's worth my life easy. He's worth every life. He's so good. And he wants a relationship with you (laughs) one way. I pray you would, I pray you'd say yes. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Uh, God, (laughs) we love you. Um, I, I don't even like to think about blood, to be honest with you. It's kind of disgusting. Uh, but God, I, your blood was spilt, and it, and it covers me. Fully God and fully man went to the cross, could have stopped it at any time, but you didn't because you love me, and you wanted me to be made Right. And I pray, Father, that we would repent and turn away from our sin because it's all in there. And if there's anybody here that needs the Lord and they know that they're just caught in sin, I pray that they would just pray a prayer like this and just say, dear Jesus, I am sorry for my sin. I want to go through the door. I know that you are the way. I know that you are the truth. I know that you are the life. And I want to give you my life. Please forgive me of my sin. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you defeated sin and death and you rose again. I believe you are alive. I believe you're in this room and I want you to be mine. I know I don't have much to offer, but all I have to give, I give to you because you're worth it. You're so worth it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I just encourage you. If you you prayed that prayer for the first time, I mean, the Lord's excited, but I want you to take a step of faith because believing is not enough. Take a step of faith. Go back to the next step and let somebody know. I put my faith in Jesus today. Thanks so much.